Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, let me get your attention real quick. I'm not going to take too much time. MyBookie.ag, promo code WCE100, gives you a 100% deposit bonus until November 1st. So go ahead and get signed up, mybookie.ag. It is the best online sports book. Two-day payouts. At, honestly, it's like going to Vegas, only from your cell phone. You can do it from your cell phone. You can do it from your computer, wherever. Mybookie.ag. Put in promo code WCE100 and knock that thing out. I'm Gary Seegers. Catch me on Twitter, at GaryWCE. And I'm Chris Giannini. Follow me at ChrisBGiannini. And this is the Winning Cures Everything podcast from winningcureseverything.com. Before we get started, please subscribe to the podcast, share it, and review it. We cannot stress how important those reviews are for iTunes rankings, so help us out. Those of us who love this sport live for nights like this. You are looking live at the Georgia Dome in Atlanta. It's football. I've been watching it for 40 years. 40. 40 years. How about that? So here is fourth down. Can you State. Jalen wants Jackson, and he scores on the last play of the game. Are you kidding me? Honey Badger don't care. Oh my gosh! Oh my goodness! Oh no! This is Winning Cures Everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in. Winning Cures Everything, number 154. It is the Tuesday, October 31st. Halloween edition of the show. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. On today's show, we'll get to the recap of the college football weekend with our underdog winner of the week, our hot takes, all that other stuff. But first, we're going to bring in a special guest. And right now, we want to welcome in the co-host of the Sports Den Radio Show on uh, 1010XL, 92.5 FM, Jack Sports Radio in Jacksonville, Florida, the owner of Six Points Quarterback Training Company, at least from what I've read. And a contributor to GridironNow.com. He is Denny Thompson. Denny, welcome to Winning Cures Everything. Uh, thanks for hopping on with us, buddy. Oh man, I'm glad to be here. You guys are you guys are in Memphis, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. See, I'm from Arkansas. I was born in Louisiana, raised in Arkansas, and so I, I actually moved down here and I lost a little bit of that Arkansas accent. I appreciate actually <laughs> hearing that Arkansas Tennessee ish accent. It kind of makes me feel back at home. It's the tri-state area. It's uh, you know, we I I get a lot of times when I'm talking to people that I sound like I'm from the Midwest for some reason, and really? I think it's just because I pronounce words sometimes. Oh, I definitely don't get that. <laughs> I don't I don't get that mistake at you all. You speak in full sentences, yeah. Yeah, I speak in full sentences. So I used to be in a band, and well, I, I'm still in a band, but we used to tour all the time. So when I would go to New York and whatnot, they would think I was from Kansas, and I said, I, huh. you know, I'm from I'm from Mississippi. So, like, I don't. I guess the fact that I pronounce it actually uh, throws them off guard a little bit. But no, but, I, I can I, I can I can recognize that accent from every, anywhere, and I feel right at home. So it's good to be with you guys. <laughs> now, what what part of Arkansas are you from? Well, I, I was uh, raised in Little Rock. 
Okay. okay. North Little Rock, Arkansas. Yeah, moved uh, moved here to Jacksonville, Florida in high school. But it's been uh, my first 16-year split between Louisiana and Arkansas. Okay, okay. Well, that's uh, Chris here is a humongous LSU fan. So he uh, he appreciates Louisiana quite a bit. Yeah, I so. used to be. I, I used to be. And, and <laughs> once I get a new athletic director, I will be again. Hey, me and you would get along real well. Uh, Phil, <laughs> you want to you put in for the job? I'll take anybody right now. <laughs> All right, well let's let's yeah. talk about this Florida stuff. Let's uh, let's do this. You posted an article to Gridiron Now on Friday night entitled "End of Jim McElwain Era Might Be Closer Than Everyone Thinks." Now, the opening of the article said, "You want a bold Florida Georgia prediction? This will be Jim McElwain's last game as coach at Florida. Win or lose, Gator Nation will wake up on Monday with Randy Shannon as interim coach." You were dead on. With this thing. Now, how the hell did this escalate so quickly? Did, did the Spurrier rumors kind of play into this at all, or was it just a disconnect between the coach and the administration? Like, what happened? How did we get here? No, Spurrier had nothing to do with it. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident in that. And it was a combination of a bunch of different things. And the first thing, listen, let's just be real. I, you know how if you are a certain person, you can talk about that person? Well, I are a Gator fan. Okay. So I can talk about Gator fans. All right, Gator fans are, are now they've taken over they've taken the torch from Georgia as the most unreasonable fan base in America. <laughs> and it is it is a pressure cooker um, that I would think that Tennessee fans may be a little jealous of right now. Um, because it takes a certain type of coach, and if that coach isn't here, Florida fan has this unique ability to sniff it from a mile away. And it doesn't matter what the guy does. Like, we keep hearing down here on our show, well, the guy wins two SEC East titles. Let's be honest. That is not anything to be that proud of right now. The SEC East is a notch above what the MAC used to be right now. Yes. It, it, it's not great football. So it, that's nothing to hang your hat on. There's a couple things you have to have here in Florida to endear yourself. You have to have a swagger. You have to have charisma. And you got to score points. And it has and, to be a not combination. In that order. Right, it, it like you have yeah. to have it. If you've got the swagger, you got to have something to back it up. That's right. That's right. And 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 I think where McElwain, what you'll hear, is that there were there were discipline issues, and of course the the bizarre death threat thing a week ago tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really odd. Uh, but what you'll hear is those are the reasons. The real reasons are Florida's is. This is going to sound weird, but Florida is a very educational inst- – it is a research institute who football has helped. Florida State, my co-host, says this all the time. He played at Florida State. Florida State is a football school that helped it become a school. Fl- Florida is actually very good academically. Really so hard to get into. To get, what's that? Really, really hard to get into. It is very hard to get into. And when you start to, when you start to have some of the issues – that come in and you start to have some of the donors, Florida's a very rich school, when you start to have some of the donors start to question things, that's what moves the needle. And if you go back and you look the last couple of years with the discipline issues and you look at um, this past this past year with the, and I, his name just escaped me as of course it would, the Ohio State guy who got who got busted on Ohio State visit for, for marijuana, McElwain somehow talks Florida into taking him when everybody else dropped their offer and what does he do? He gets busted again for marijuana a week before Michigan. Yep. You you start having issues like that, and that just doesn't sit well. The Urban Meyer area era is way too fresh in everybody's mind, and the only way that he got away with all of it because he was winning. 
and he was winning in a sexy manner. There is nothing at all sexy about Jim McElwain. Yeah, I do agree with that. Um, I, I, I just I wonder. It, so a lot of this was a disconnect between McElwain and and where he was. Right. This was this was not just the administration. This was he didn't get along with anybody down there. Right. It seems that way now. Uh, I I think this last off season there was a a part of Gator Nation who had a little bit of hope in Felipe Franks and 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 really we saw some cool things from Jim McElwain. To be fair, we saw some cool things uh, this past recruiting season and and this recruiting season actually it started out pretty well, but I think he tried to be you kind of you kind of mentioned this earlier. He tried to be something that he's not, and it came back in bidding. He tried. He tried to have the the substance without the sizzle, and and you just you can't do that. You can't recruit the state that way, um, and, and you certainly cannot lead um, the Florida Gator football program that way. All right, Denny, uh, you're a quarterback guy. McElwain was supposed to be an offensive guru. I don't know what that means, and I don't know what you have to be to be qualified as that. Um, and he was supposed to be this quarterback genius, and you know, he said, "I could, I could win with anybody being the quarterback. I could make anybody a good quarterback." Why have they had such a hard time finding a quarterback, finding leadership on that team on an offensive perspective? I mean, their defense has been really good the last couple of years. Their offense right now is is the worst in the SEC, and it's not close. And that is that is you know in the area with LSU and Vanderbilt and South Carolina making them look bad. The simple answer to that is he tried to do Alabama type stuff without Alabama type players. And how many times are we going to see this come back and bite coaches in the butt? Um, just because Alabama runs a certain type of system and does it successfully does not mean that you can duplicate that. Alabama, I mean, <laughs> the most impressive thing about Alabama is everybody's cyclical except for Nick Saban. And then and, and this guy's just kept it going. But I think that's on a, on a simple, in a simple way, that's where he's messed up. I think the other thing that – I think if you asked him – I don't know that Jim McElwain wanted to be in, in Florida anymore, but if, if – let's assume for a second he did. And you, you were able to have a conversation with him right now and say, if you had to do all over again, what would you do? I think he would tell you, A, he probably would have met Will Greer and Will Greer's dad's demands a little, a little more and not been so heavy-footed on that deal. But I think the other thing is he probably would have taken some lumps with some good with some young quarterbacks earlier, instead of of, of trying to win right away. Is is let's see what we've got. Let's actually develop some talent instead of going after Malik Zaire and Austin Appleby and all these guys. And I think that probably was a downfall. I am probably one of the few people that I think Felipe Franks has some tools. I, I think the kid, if, if you give put him in the right system, and and you take. You use him a little bit better. I think he could be a good quarterback. I don't think they missed completely on Felipe Franks in the recruiting process. I, I just don't think that he read his team right. I don't think that he read his abilities as a play caller right. And I certainly don't think he read his personnel right. Florida, Florida going into this year, we, we kept hearing down here how the offensive line was going to actually be a strength. It's not a strength. It, it's not a strength. The running game's a strength. But the offensive line is not a strength. And you're sitting there trying to throw long developing routes with 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 an offensive line who's getting your quarterback beat half to death. Uh, it, it just it never worked out. He never found his groove. 
And like I said, you don't have a long leash when you're here in the state of Florida. Well, I understand the, the not long leash, and, and nobody has the talent depth that Alabama has. But, I mean, Florida Florida has more – outside of Alabama, Florida has more talent than any team in the SEC. They can recruit better than everybody else. All these quarterbacks that are on their roster are all four-star guys. I mean, I'm an LSU fan. I would kill for any of these guys. We haven't had a quarterback in 15 years. You had Felipe Franks. Well, no, <laughs> you're right. Well, that's <laughs> – Okay, he, he killed back. I would love to that's have him funny back. Thing. Yeah, I mean, right he, now. He, he flipped Felipe Franks from LSU. Yeah, yeah. and and you, I, I think you, I think you guys, you're right in that they have the recruiting base here. I mean, let's face it, in the state of Florida, it's hard to go to a high school game and not see four Division One kids. I'm very involved through my quarterback training in the high school and college realm, and and there's so much talent here. It's 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 almost embarrassing. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he recruited right. I, I think if I was looking at talent throughout the SEC, I'd probably place them fourth or fifth oh, wow. in, in the overall talent category. I think right now Florida, when you watch Florida, I think they look slow yeah. compared to past Florida teams. I think they're undersized. Um, I, I think that for the most part they don't play with any type of swagger um, at the beginning of the year you know the whole DBU thing and, and all that kind of stuff you, you saw a little bit there but outside of that it is not the Florida teams that we're used to um, at all at all and and that's just not that doesn't fly here well at least under Muschamp you you saw the talent you saw players you saw intensity and you saw intensity for sure and and you never like it wasn't an issue on that part. Right now, it is definitely an issue because Georgia's got more talent, Bama's got more talent, LSU is comparable, yeah, LSU although the lines are a little undersized yeah. right now. Um, Auburn's got talent, Tennessee's, you know, everybody, everybody in the SEC recruits, and if you get left mm-hmm. behind a little bit, like McIlwain has done, I think the biggest issue with these quarterbacks is what does it take to get the right mindset for these guys. Like with Felipe Franks, well, I don't think it's the tools. I think it's there's something going on up there that that he hasn't been able to break through yet. So I was having this conversation yesterday with uh, with somebody and and another radio program, and they asked me the same thing. And here's the best way that I can explain it from a quarterback perspective: you cannot go out and recruit the guy if you don't know what attributes the guy has to have. And right now, Florida does not have an offensive identity. And so it's a two-way street. If, if my kid is a four- or five-star quarterback, and, and right now, as it stands, Florida comes to me and says, we'd like to recruit your kid. I'm looking at my kid and saying, hell no. No. I don't even know what they do offensively. And I think that if you sat down and you said, what are the attributes that you're looking for in a quarterback, and you asked Joe McElwain that a year ago, I'm not sure that he was perfectly capable of, of spelling out those attributes, and so it's it's a two way street. I, I I don't I think you have to you have to understand what you want out of your quarterback and what system you are selling out to. Now you you can make tweaks a la what Nick Saban has done the last couple of years, but for the most part, you got to understand exactly what you want out of your quarterback, and that quarterback has to understand exactly what he's coming there to do, and that's been the disconnect. Otherwise, what you're doing is you're going out and you're just simply trying to find the guy with the most arm talent. That's essentially what you're doing and saying, hey, I can, I can build him into our system. Well, if you don't know what the heck your system is, then there's a problems. huge disconnect there. Yeah. yeah. 
That's just crazy and, I, and by the way, I think Tennessee has a similar thing going. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that's been big. They're, they're big problem. <laughs> I, there's would, no identity on that no, football team. I would agree no. with that. But what happened to him from Colorado State to there? I mean, I know that's the Mountain West and not the SEC. But, but he was able to take a school that didn't know how to score. And they scored a bunch. Like, what happened? Well, it's, I think there's two things. Is uh, one uh, you just said is Colorado State, and there's not a ton of pressure. <laughs> no, oh, no pressure I mean, at all. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's like somebody texted us last night. We did a a, a show last night with him being let go, um, and somebody texted us asking about Mike Bobo, and I'm like, Are you serious? Like, you really think they're going to go back to Colorado State? Like, and when I was growing up, if a girl hurt me, I wouldn't date anybody in the same neighborhood. No, you're that's <laughs> exactly right. No. I, I mean, that, that, there's no way. So I think that I think that's the first thing, and I think that gets. I think there's so many success stories um, that that get so well publicized of guys coming from that level that succeed in the Big Ten and even the SEC. I mean, look at Urban Meyer. Uh, but what people don't realize is so many of those guys fail. That's right. And, oh, it's, and, and, it's rare. And you just you you can't. It's hard to draw up good football plays in the SEC, man. Those those guys are they're really stinking good. And the resources that they have, coaches for coaches and an analyst and 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 on top of that you put in a kid that's 265 yards, 265 pounds and runs a, a 4-7. Man, you're going to have to do more than scheme them up. You're going to have to outcat them. Yep. yep. And and that's just what he wasn't able to do. Well, at McElwain, so and I don't remember this entirely. He he fired a majority of his staff when he came from Colorado State down to Florida, didn't he? Yeah, he didn't bring them with him. Yeah. So that's. I mean, it leads you to believe that maybe it wasn't necessarily Mac that was doing all the winning out in Colorado State. It could have been some of the guys that were on the staff that that helped him along, and the guys that he brought in down here uh, were not up to snuff. So, but it, off of that, now I, now to be fair, okay, to be fair though. I don't think I would have done anything any differently. Um, you mentioned that I own a quarterback training business, and 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 we have we're very fortunate. I'm I'm not a very good quarterback trainer. I just am able to pick really good players. Well, I'll put it that way. Okay. So we're very fortunate. We've got a ton of Division One <laughs> players that we train. Um, it takes a certain kind of cat to recruit Florida, and if you don't hire Florida guys or at least guys who have recruited Florida before, you don't have a prayer in this state. And so I don't know that I would have done it any differently. Let's let's be honest about something. College football isn't about development anymore. Oh no. You can no. be you can be the best position coach in the country if you can't recruit. And if you can't specifically recruit the state of Florida in the southeast, you ain't you're not getting promoted. So I d I don't know that I would have done anything differently, so I hate to hop on the guy for that. But, you know, he did and he's got Randy Shannon, who is a legend in South Florida recruiting, and has recruited South Florida really well. I just, I just don't think, I don't think he's built for the Southeastern Conference. I, my prediction on Jim McElwain is he ends up at Oregon State, or he ends up somewhere else out there, and goes and has a great career where he makes money that most of us can only dream of. And ten years from now, we all go, "Well, that come Jim McElwain is in his fifth straight bowl game, and he's doing well. Well, good for him." Yeah, he'll he'll pull a Dan Mullen, but but somewhere with even less pressure. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yep. All right, so bringing up Dan Mullen, uh, Jeremy Foley, he had a habit of getting these searches done quickly, right? So it was guys that weren't normally at the top of the online lists. 
you know, Urban Meyer resigns uh, in 2010, and Will Muschamp's hired like four or five days later. Muschamp is fired midseason. McElwain's hired on December 4th. In 2010, like the names were Dan Mullen, Charlie Strong, Bob Stoops, Petrino, whatever. 2014, it was Rich Rod and Fuente and Hugh Freeze, Mike Gundy, etc. The names right now are Chip Kelly, Dan Mullen, Scott Frost, and, and Mike Norvell. And we're hearing, you know, we're hearing Dan Mullen a little bit. Uh, who are the names that we're not hearing that we should pay attention to this go-round? It, it, do we need to pay attention to who Florida can get on the cheap since they've got so many guys on the payroll right now already that they're trying to pay off? Or or is it something that they're just going to go pay the best guy and it doesn't matter what the money is? No, they're not paying. So uh, Bob Stoops is enough. Bob Stoops' demands are crazy right now. Bob Stoops is wanting over $6 million. He's wanting 900000 for one coordinator, one point two for the next coordinator. Ooh. Every every single staff member over five hundred grand, an analyst for every single position. So he's he's wanting to recreate what Nick Saban has. Can Florida do it? Yes, they're not going to do it, and and, and it's not even close. Um, you know the, the the Mike Norvell name is the hot name, and I think I, I think that Florida really likes him. I don't think they get him. I think he. I think at the end of it all, you know, dust settles. I think he ends up at Arkansas. I agree. Um, I called we, we that think, in yeah. July. We think that too. That's because we literally. Yeah. I work at the University of Memphis, so I'm I'm up there all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, and and I'm buddies with some of the guys, and he. I mean, he is from Arkansas. Like his wife is yeah. from Fort Smith. Like they are, and I I believe that Florida is a better job than Arkansas, but I don't know that they go after Norvell as much as probably Scott Frost because Frost has already shown he can recruit down there. I wouldn't they let love Scott Norvell. Frost don't, out of Listen, the state. don't get a twist. They love Norvell. They really do. I don't blame them. But what them. they're not going to do is they're they're not going to get in a bidding war for anybody, including Scott Frost. They've got a budget in mind. They're going to stick to that budget. Scott Frost, they like Scott Frost. Um, I, I, I don't see that happening. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it did. I actually would be very surprised if Dan Mullen was the guy. The name I'm going to give you is if I was a betting man, and I'm not, but if I was a betting man, I would bet that this is the guy that December, right, a week before early signing day, you're going to hear announced, and that's Willie Taggart. That's I think Willie Taggart um, is 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 the name to keep an eye on. Is it, all right. So what's what's the deal with Taggart? Like he just moved out to Oregon. One year at Oregon, he's gone. I mean, I could see it mainly because he's from Florida. He was born in Florida. He, like, he played high school football down there, right? And he he showed that he can mm-hmm. recruit. You know, at South Florida, he built that thing into what it is now. But I mean, you take a Power Five job, and then you, he, I don't know that he wants to turn into Lane Kiffin here. So here's here's the deal: is Willie Taggart recently lost his dad? Okay, his family's still down here in Florida. Um. Willie Tiger is a disciplinarian. Yes. Florida, that is very high on their list right now. They'll tell you it's the highest on their list, but I'm going to tell you where Willie Tiger makes sense. His buyout number at Oregon is only $3 million. So That's not bad. Th- there's a guy at, at Florida that can stroke that check, no problem. Uh, a, a booster that, that, okay, cool, let's go buy him out. The bigger thing is he's not going to cost you $4 million a year. And you're getting a guy who's got the right inroads with high school coaches. He's very well respected um, in this area, and and you're getting a guy who's got assistant coaches who are used to the game in Florida. 
is it a is it a splash hire? Absolutely not. Are Florida fans going to love it? No, they're not. But it makes a lot of sense, and it's a name that through our through our sources, the same sources that that gave me enough confidence to write that column on Friday. Through our sources, there's already been talks, and and right now, it looks like he's going to be the guy. Now, you, you we all know we've been through this a million times. A lot can change. But it, it, it makes a whole lot of sense. Um, the other thing about Willie Taggart that that I think people need to understand is Willie Taggart would be almost like an image changer for Florida. Florida has this whole image issue about hiring African-American coaches. That needs to change. And Willie Taggart is more than qualified for the job. Um, it's not going to be Charlie Strong because Charlie Strong has is, is – he gives guys way too many chances and they're not going to take that guy again. So if, if you can package up a, a coach and you can bring him here for three mil, you can pay him 2.7 plus incentives and you don't have to extend him the very next year to four and a half. Cause that's where these coaches are getting you. If you can bring that guy there and he's a disciplinarian and he can recruit the state of Florida, I think that's the realm that Florida wants to live in right now. I think that's their world. I don't think that they're going for, um, you know, Bob Stoops or the next sexy Aaron Chip Kelly, there is not a chance. Chip, they are not bringing in Chip Kelly. No, And if there's an not. SEC school right now that brings in Chip Kelly, they deserve to go on probation after what's going on at Ole Miss. You do not invite the NCAA to your school right now. you you got too much to hide. Every single one of you jokers do. Agreed, agreed. Although I think Tennessee at this point would bring about just about anybody in there other than Butch Jones. Well, yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're if you talking... It's going to be interesting right now. Because a, I, I don't... I don't understand, I don't what, understand what they're it. doing. Like, if, if you know... Here's... Okay, so I wrote an article on our website about this and, and the multiple reasons why he has not been fired yet. I don't think that Curry had a plan yet. Like, I think with Florida, I think they had a plan of what they want to do, right? So it, you're telling me it, it, it could be Taggart that they've already had contact and all that I, I think they knew what they wanted to do I don't think Tennessee has a clue like I, I think it's kind of the same thing with with LSU where they end up hiring at Orgeron they thought they had Jimbo Fisher they thought they but other than that they've got nothing so you There's don't no make plan. the okay. move without a plan yeah educate me on something then okay. because we're actually probably going to talk about this on our show tonight okay I got all over Georgia when they fired Mark Rick. I got all over LSU when they fired Les Miles. The reason why I got all over them is because they were firing guys who had won 70, 75% of their games. And neither one of them at that time had a plan. Now, it looks like Georgia's plan worked out. And I am a big, you don't fire a coach if if you're sure you can't hire one better. That's right. Would it be that hard to replace him in Tennessee? I, I mean, isn't there a whole pool of 20 or 25 guys that you can look at and go, I'm pretty damn sure that he's better off than Butch Jones? Oh, no. The, you're, that, you're not that firing a right. legend. You're not firing <laughs> Phil Former. No, you're right. No, I think they can fire him and replace him in a, in a second with somebody better than him. Where we're figuring out in, in with, with our connections to Tennessee and what we're hearing is, is just everybody wants something different and nobody really – is on the same page about what to do at all. It, a lot of people want Petrino. A lot of people want to try and go after Chip Kelly. Some guys want to try and give Bob Stoops everything he wants. Uh, Mike Norvell is a big name on that list because he has gone into Knoxville area and he is taking kids from Memphis. He knows how to recruit Tennessee. Yeah. Um, I mean, that everybody wants something different, and I don't know. 
that well, there is a single getting, booster there that can swing the hammer to say, this is who we want, and this is what we're wanting, other than the Haslam's, and they they want Groot. Yeah, they're convinced they can get John Groot. Yeah. And, <laughs> okay. and that's just not... As a, as a diehard Florida fan who who has gotten to the point where I used to despise Tennessee and now I just feel sorry for him. I'm going to beg you guys to please hire John Gruden. Oh, oh me too. Hang on now. Listen, <laughs> me and you are on that same boat, all right? I think I don't think that Gruden's that impressive. I want them to hire him for one reason, one reason only. I love Monday Night Football, and he ruins Monday Night Football. He is the worst color <laughs> analyst on the planet, and he's making $6 million for a company that's hemorrhaging money. He's their highest paid person, and he's atrocious. He's terrible. Yeah, I, I don't get the whole Gruden thing. And and by the way, Fuentes at Virginia Tech has already turned down Florida as well. He's he's staying at Vodka. He's not leaving Vodka. So, so I, I don't think there's anything anybody can do there. I uh, I mean Norvell being that close to the situation, I, does he really want to go there? Nope. You know the other name that that I think the Iowa State guys, Matt Campbell. Yeah, Matt Campbell. I mean, he's going to get picked up by somebody. Does this guy get any run in Tennessee? I mean, his, it, his buyout is is almost ten million dollars. But I will tell you this: okay. I know the Haslam's. The and Haslam's don't care. That the, Jimmy Haslam does not care. He loves volunteer football, and he wants to. He is sick of this. He owns the Browns. He can't handle both his teams being garbage. That's and I, I'm with you on yeah. Matt Campbell. I think he should get some run somewhere, but I think the. You still don't really know what you've got with him because until he was forced to make a quarterback change, like they they weren't very good this year. So, Denny, so, I, okay. I have I have this. I, you kind of caught me completely off guard. I don't know why I had this mentality that Florida's not going to let somebody outspend them and they're going to get the guy they want because they're Florida, and and they do always have that swagger and and they don't they don't get pushed around by anybody. And the fact that they're going cheap, like all the names that we were thinking, oh, you're not getting all those guys on the cheap because there is going to be a bitty more for for Norvell, for Frost, for Kelly, for Petrino. If you're wanting to pay $3 million a year, these people aren't coming. No, but, they're 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 not they're not getting in a bidding war. We have that on very good information, that, extremely good information. That shocks me. That's just I didn't I didn't know I did not expect that from Florida. Well, I kind of yeah, thought that because of how thing. much they're paying already. Well, here's the other thing that that I don't think people realize is the buyout money they've got in their assistant coaching staff oh, that okay. they realize that they're going to have to pay. They're getting away. I mean, listen, last Monday what uh, what Jim McElwain did. Uh, as far as the death threat thing, save Florida, it looks like about $8 million. Um, they're going to try to bring somebody in and press a couple coaches to, 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 to keep stay. They, they don't want to pay these buyout numbers that they've got on assistant coaches as well. So I, I don't think they're in that game. I think they were burnt. Wait, you look at this transactional history of Florida, you got to remember whenever they fired Will Muschamp, they owed him a ton of money. They're still paying Will. They're still paying he gets Will. a check, in fact, next week for $780,000. Yeah, they bought out Jim McElwain at Colorado State for, Seven I want million. to say, six mil. Yeah. yeah okay. Seven. Then they paid Jim McElwain for three years, and now they're paying his buyout as well. Yeah. I, it, it, I just They're not getting in a bidding war. Bob Petrino, I love the guy, and, and, and I think – you know, listen. I think as long as you just keep him away from blonde-headed women, he, 
he he's fine. Too many of those in Florida. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, that that actually to me, if if I'm being honest, if I heard that Tennessee hired Bob Petrino, that would scare me as a Florida fan. Oh, it, it should. It should. Yes. It should rattle the SEC. A hundred percent. Yeah, because yeah. he he's. He's petty now. He's going to come in with a vengeance. And what he had going at Arkansas was uh, before he went for the joyride was nasty. I mean, yeah. Arkansas was on track to, 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 to be, you know, what Auburn ended up being. Yep. Yep. Well, to close you out, we, we appreciate your time, man. To close you out, uh, give us an idea of how Florida fans feel right now. Are they blaming administration? Are they glad to have McElwain gone? Uh, what, what, are, what are basic – Florida fans feeling uh, that's so funny uh, when I wrote the column I woke up the next morning to 2100 notifications about 1900 of them were telling me what I could do with myself I didn't know McElwain had that kind of love but then after the Georgia game uh, I have yet to hear one single person stick up for Jim McElwain a lot so of deleted tweets I think, I think they're relieved I think they're fatigued I think they're reveling in the misery that's going on in Tallahassee, and that's the only thing that's keeping us alive in the misery that's going on in Knoxville. And we, we can sit back and go, well, at least we got hope. Um, but I, I, this is a big hire for the University of Florida. Um, and, and if they don't get this one right, it sets Florida football back another decade. And, and you just you, you can't have that. This is too much of a donor-based school to have it. it it's a huge hire for A.D. Strickland. Yeah. Yeah. Right, he is Denny Thompson from gridironnow.com and the Sports Den on 92.5 FM Jack Sports Radio in Jacksonville, Florida. You can follow him on Twitter at Denny underscore Thompson. Denny, thanks for joining us. We uh, we appreciate you walking us through all this mess. We're going to talk to you soon. All right, buddy? Thank you for your time, man. Awesome. I appreciate it, guys. Y'all have a great night. Hey, you too. You too. All right, that was Denny Thompson. Fantastic, awesome interview. Uh, love having that guy in. Let's uh, let's go ahead and get into the college football recap for the weekend. Whew, Chris. That was a fun weekend, wasn't it? Uh, good, not great. Yeah, it wasn't great. This coming weekend, I, I would assume, will be great. Mm, I'll be more stressed out than enjoying it, but yeah. There, there were several blowouts this weekend. There were... Some disgusting kind of game. Well, my a lot of it, a lot of my reflection of this weekend comes in teams that I liked a lot, just didn't play well, and or came up you know on the short side of it. They, well, remember, they lost. They so, came in second. So you texted me when Penn State was up fourteen to nothing. Yep. And you said I don't know that anybody can stop this offense. Yep. And I had to stop for a second and think. All right, is he talking about Ohio State? Or is he talking about Penn State? <laughs> which I know is ridiculous to think about. But honestly, with what like the way that Ohio State has been rolling lately, I really did think that initially. And then I thought, okay, so Chris has been talking about Penn State forever. Yep. And, man, that offense looked like dog shit. Like, it, it, look, Saquon Barkley had one run for 36 yards, yep. had 20 carries for eight yards the rest of the way. Now, he had a big-ass kick return and all this kind of stuff, but – you know, it. I. You know, what, we're, Ohio just State, so that everybody knows, we're talking about Penn State, Ohio State. Yes. just right off the bat. O- so Ohio like, State made it their mission to not let Barkley beat them. Yeah. After the kick return, um, which which I was counting that as 
I don't know that they can stop this. This when I say they can't stop this offense, I didn't think they could stop him. Yeah, um, because he had the kick return, and then they had the drive for a score. They got a turnover on Ohio State and a drive for the score. Um, you'd immediately text me back. Well, they don't have any yards of offense. Well, it's because they got turnovers. Like yeah. you can't fault them for that. They're driving and they're scoring every time they touch the ball. At that moment in time, um, Ohio yeah, I mean, State they, they jumped up twenty-one to three on Ohio State like super fast. After super that, fast. after that, Ohio State made it their mission that we're not going to let Barkley beat us. Man, they did that weird pooch kick every time they kicked off, which is smart. We're going to give you ball on the 35-40 yard line, but we're going to let some fat linebacker catch the ball. Yeah. Some fullback is going to catch the ball. We're because, not going to let Barkley that, that, catch it. That's the only way that y'all will be able to beat us. Yeah. But you're going to have the ball on the 40. Yeah. But you're not going to you're not going to score. You're not going to have the ball on like your own 20. And and that was smart. It was really smart. And then they just sold out and they said, "Let somebody else beat us." And for most of the game, Penn State did that. For most of the game, Penn State controlled the game. Ohio State got a lot of yardage that added up to nothing. They turned the ball over a couple of times and and they made a, a, a great drive at the end of the game and a great play at the end of the game to win the game. But the first time they took the lead was at the very end of the game. My stat of the week. I told you about JT Barrett still being in the Heisman conversation. This game absolutely put him in that. 33 out of 39, 328 yards, four touchdowns. And then he had 17 carries for 95 yards. He accounted for 80% of their offense. Oh, but he had to. He had oh, to. Oh, no, he had to. He, but, he's but, their well, guy. Well, well, it's not that he's their guy. He is. They could not run the ball. No, that's what I'm saying. Like They, it, he, they didn't have, and normally that's not Ohio State football. Ohio no, State Dobbins, football is play great defense, run the football, control the line of scrimmage. Dobbins had... 80 yards, 77 yards, whatever it was. But it it came, there were bursts, but there was no continuity. Yep. You know, there, it wasn't like a methodical thing where he's picking up five yards every carry. No. He would get tackle for a loss, tackle for a loss, tackle for a loss, tackle for a loss, Break bust one. it for 20. Yeah. Yeah. So it made the average look better, but man, like at, Ohio State at home when when Urban is out to prove something... Like that—that's a problem. That's a problem. And I think the issue with the Oklahoma game earlier in the year is that they absolutely beat the crap out of uh, Oklahoma last year. Yeah. You know, they all thought that this was going to be a cakewalk. But either way, um, before we get into the other games, let's go on and run down the top ten. All right. Let's uh, let, let's give you my top ten because this ain't what the AP and the coaches and everybody else have. Number one, I got Alabama. Number two, Georgia. That could be flip flopped. I think Georgia should probably be ranked number one if, in the yeah in the college football if, playoff. If you're looking at resume, right Georgia now, has the better resume. And and you and I've had this conversation off off air. This is not a knock on Alabama. The old saying, you can't recruit for the other teams. Their only team win against a Power Five team that has a winning record right now. Not even like bowl eligible. A winning record is is a And M. And that's who, it. Who just got curb stomped at home by Mississippi by State. Mississippi State. So that's I mean that's pretty bad. Yeah, it's not not a good thing. And it's not not their fault. Florida State fell apart. We thought, man, this is going to be a great matchup. It's going to be good. Well, honestly, aside from Texas A and M, their other two best wins 
or Fresno State. Well, those aren't best and wins. Colorado State. Those just happen to be the other teams that have winning records. That's what I'm saying. But that's not their best wins. Wait, are you going to count Tennessee as their best win? Arkansas? Well, Ole Miss? Vanderbilt? I mean, that's what I'm saying. They hadn't beat anybody. Well, Vanderbilt is better than those teams. That's not to say wait, they're not better than Ole Miss. No. Oh, I you're talking about the you're talking about Fresno State. Fresno Sorry, State. I thought you were talking about no. that. <laughs> no. Either way. All right, so uh, so Alabama, Georgia, one and two. That is universal right, right now. Number three, I got Notre Dame. I completely agree with that. Number four, I put Ohio State here. I think I might have been a, a prisoner of the moment here. Because I think Clemson has better wins than Ohio State, but that Ohio State win over Clem or over uh, Penn State is is massive. But they, other than that, they haven't beat anybody else. And they, I mean, they took a miracle last second thing to win this one. So four, I've got Ohio State. Number five, Clemson. Clemson's losses, or sorry, their their wins don't look as good now as they did. Louisville's five and four. Now the Virginia Tech win. Yep, that's still a humongous win. So that's I'll put that up there. Well, we'll judge Clemson after this weekend also because they're going to get a big test. They got to go on the road to NC State that just lost a a, a pretty bad game to Notre Dame, and then um, their best win, quote unquote, against Vitek is going to be tested at Miami, who now, you have pretty damn far down. Can I you explain why? Can you explain why they're less than Oklahoma? So here's the deal: Oklahoma has. A really good win. I know they hadn't played great. They did cover the spread this weekend. That hurt you in, in your picks. I know. Um, but I think if you put Oklahoma and Miami on the field together, I think Oklahoma would absolutely destroy that team. I think they'd kill Miami right but now. But that's not how we've ranked the whole season. I know the we've whole always, season. Historically, I've been going by, we by never undefeated. do. We never do the if they play each other. This is what I think would happen. We've always stayed away from that. Because you're you're really guessing at that, to be honest. Yes, absolutely. And so well, we're only looking at what we can gauge. This is an ACC team that is still undefeated. And they haven't looked impressive, but they've gotten the job done. I could not feel comfortable with myself putting Miami and Wisconsin at three and four. No, I'm not asking you to put them three and four. I understand having them below Ohio State, as much as that hurts me, and Clemson, and Penn State. But I think both of them should be over Oklahoma. Oklahoma? Oklahoma, yeah. And now, here's – look. I think both of them should be A over lot Oklahoma. of this was Oklahoma's loss to Iowa State mm-hmm. looks much more legit right now than it did at the I'm time. Not, I'm not knocking you, but the other two teams haven't lost at all. And Oklahoma has looked just as bad as Miami in a lot of their wins. They've got one win where they kicked the hell out of somebody that was a good team. And that was Ohio State. Yeah. Other than that, they have looked – Pretty mediocre in most of their games. If Miami, here's the good thing about all this: oh, it's it all work gets to play out. itself out. No, Miami no. gets to play Virginia Tech. They get to and play then they Notre get Dame. Play so they, I, if they win those games, oh well, no, absolutely they'll be way up there. That's but right. right now, look, they almost got beat by a North Carolina team. But hang on, you that is, you give teams Pat that you want. This is all right. This is where I want you to be consistent because you know that's all. But it's, but it's not just that game. It is. It is. You'll give a team a pass for being vanilla that you like, but a team that you are like kind of not like, feeling. Like you, you had the conversation. Vatek, Vatek wasn't showing anything. They were preparing for the Miami game. How the hell do you think Miami wasn't doing the same thing? Uh, you know what? You got a you the got a argu- damn good point. The argument has to be all I like in this world is consistency. 
if the argument is good for one team and the exact same thing happened to another team, it has to be good for them. That's I, okay, that's okay. that's why I think that's why I don't like Miami being at eight. Now Wisconsin, I'll almost give you, and you know how much I love the Badgers. You know that's that's one of my favorite teams in the Big Ten to pull for. But I understand they really haven't played anybody, and it's not their fault. But well, here, look, here's the deal, right? So Miami, since that thirty-one to six blowout at Duke, they beat Florida State twenty-four to twenty. They That's beat, a rivalry game. Rivalry game. They beat Georgia Tech 25-24. Georgia Tech's pretty good football Georgia team. Georgia Tech's a hard team to play. Syracuse, they beat 27-19. They beat Clemson. And then North at North Carolina, 24-19. Now, it, the, the other North Carolina games, like, I, I think I was just so out on how poor they looked against against uh, uh, North Carolina. Yeah, but but they weren't trying to show anything. They're getting ready for Vitek, baby. They got Vitek and and Notre Dame coming back to back. This, all right, so listen to to North Carolina's losses, right? Well, no, 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 no. We North Carolina is terrible. That would be like running down Ole Miss's losses. Nobody's trying to say they're good. True, like nobody cares. They they were not trying to show anything. That's exactly what you told me when you talked about Virginia Tech. And and in their last game, they're being vanilla. They're preparing for Miami. They yeah, don't care yeah, about. But they this still game. beat Duke twenty four to three. You know, I mean, it, like at that point, you you just don't let North Carolina score, which I know is kind of difficult against Larry Fedora. But like other teams were able to do it. Well, then, well, and I guess you also have to see North Carolina's desperate. I mean, they're yeah. literally throwing everything out there. Duke Duke is not. Yeah, Duke's trying Duke. to play to win something, and and if they get beat, they get beat. The other team is is just desperate. Yeah. Anyway, it, it might all look. Vatek could come in, kick Miami's ass, and then it's all over with, and it doesn't matter. All right. So number six, Penn State. I, you know, I've got them right above Oklahoma. Oklahoma seven, eight, Miami nine, Wisconsin ten. I left TCU up there because I think the Iowa State thing is is real. I love Matt Campbell. Like I said it before the season started. I thought he was going to have a good year. No, you didn't. I didn't know it was going to be this good. No, 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 no. Um, who do they play? They have uh, West, at West Virginia, Virginia this coming at week. Morgantown. Now, I don't like going to Morgantown. That's a tough place to play. Yeah. But listen, man, if they... They got a chance at, at hang on. nine wins here. The, They're six and two right now. The road to the Big 12 goes through Ames. How crazy... Because they have we, the tiebreaker with Iowa, or with Oklahoma. How bananas is that? They got the tiebreaker with TCU too. Now that yeah, oh Nick, you're right. No, you're right. So, in that that stupid Iowa game where I bet Iowa State earlier this year, you remember that? Yeah, I was just a little too early. I bet them against Texas too. Mm -hmm. Like I bet on Iowa State a lot this year. Well, they've done really well against the spread. It's because they're a dog all these weeks and they're covering. They're a dog again this week. Are they a dog this week? Yeah, but it's small. I think it's two or three. I, I still don't know how. I don't know if I like it. I no, I'm not. Like I'm not. I'm not touching the team in Morgantown. See, but I also thought that the week after, like it, the bad thing is, they had a chance to kind of recoup playing against Kansas the week after the Oklahoma game. Correct. This is a little bit different. Now they're coming off a big hard fought game that looked exactly like the Iowa game. Yeah, you got that. Right. And then trying to go on the road to Morgantown. Well, let's let's talk about Morgantown. Let's get into some of these uh, big games real quick because uh, we don't want to we don't want to stay on this forever. All right. Um, 
Oklahoma State, 50. West Virginia, 39. Oklahoma State looks like they are ready for... They're ready for Bedlam. They're ready for Bedlam. Are you surprised College Game Day picked that game? I mean, it's on... No. It's on Fox. No. Or no, it's, uh, think, sorry, it's on FS1. I don't think they care. I don't think College Game Day cares. I think they're trying to get the best game. Well, but here's the thing. You had Virginia Tech and Miami. That's the ABC game. You got a chance to go to Miami. But they don't care about that. I think they want to go to the best game. And going to Miami, this is really strange. A lot of people are not. Miami is not a college football town. It's just not. not. It's one of the greatest party cities in the country. It's not a college football town. I think even their fans think that they might be a fraud. I know that's. I know you were talking about giving Man, them props and everything, but, but a lot I, I of that is now. I am. I. I am biased. I like Mark Rick, and I want to see. I want to see them do well. Yeah, I don't think he should have been fired at Georgia, and I. I want to see him do well. Although I, I do think the Georgia thing is working out. Pretty well, no, it. <laughs> oh, it seems to be the best case scenario for both schools. Yeah, both. This is one of those coaching changes where both places seem to be in a better place and both coaches now are better in a like in a better place. So I get it, but I have just you, have you noticed like have you seen pictures of Rick lately? Like he's put on a few pounds. Oh, he's happy. He's I think he's happy. He's getting paid. He's eating more. I think he oh, feels I, good. Oh, I'm going to bet in Georgia he didn't eat well. No, I'm going to bet he was so stressed because yeah. the pressure cooker that Athens is that no, I, I absolutely think it wasn't because he was on this great diet. I think he didn't eat. But he looked like ten years older. Older now. And, he, and now he's, he's gotten to Miami, man. He's yeah, he's, he's lounging on he's the beach in his good. off time. But either way, so West Virginia, I I took West Virginia plus seven and a half. I don't I don't think that was one of my picks, was it? No, no, no that wasn't, wasn't one of your. So it, I I just I put a little bit on it just because I thought, all right, seven and a half. It's a morning game in Morgantown. You know, we'll see. And and they got it close. I mean, 50-39, that's, you know, it was 11 points, and I needed it to be seven, you know. but That's right. But, but man, they could not stop Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, Mason Rudolph, when when he's on, he Gun, is on. Gundy has that team ready to play. Yeah, he really does. What, what do you think about West Virginia now? Still a pretty good football team? No, just no, no, they're still, no, they're still a good football team. They, they're not going to stop anybody. They're still a good football team. I'm curious to see – how Iowa State does defensively. Do they have an answer for, for Greer? Let's go on and talk about that game. Number four, TCU at number 25, Iowa State. Iowa State wins 14-7. to Most interesting thing out of this whole game to me is that TCU did not score a single offensive point. Is Iowa State's defense really that good, or, or was Kenny Hill just shrinking under the pressure? Well, but now I don't know that Kenny Hill is shrinking under the pressure. I mean, Kenny Hill's gone, golly, like four or five games without an interception until this game. I mean, he hadn't turned the ball over no. at all. He is playing management football. He's not Heisman Trophy hopeful. He's not an elite talent. But he's done what he is supposed to do when he has a great defense. Um, so so I don't know that he's shrinking. As You know, he was never standing real tall to begin with. I'm trying to. That's that's what I'm trying to figure out is is where is Iowa State's defense in this and where is TCU's offense in this. I will yeah. tell you this: TCU's offense defense did exactly what I thought they would do. Man, they held Iowa State to nothing. 
Yeah. Iowa State scored that last touchdown late in the fourth quarter. It no, was seven seven. No, 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 no. It was fourteen to nothing for a while. Did you watch this game? Not not a lot. It all it was all on two thirty. No, it was I, was. I was on the pack. I was on the uh, the Penn State game the entire time. It I was, did not turn that off. It was fantastic. It like the whole game, and I ended up watching. I was following this whole the thing. score. It, it may have been seven to seven. Now that I'm thinking about it, no, no, no. It was fourteen to nothing. I think at the half. You're right. It was fourteen. They scored the first. Yeah. Yeah. You're so right. it, so, and Leave they had a chance. They had a chance to kick, uh, to make it seventeen to seven. And they missed a, uh, missed a field goal. But regardless, they played pretty damn well against Iowa State's offense. And, I mean, the, look, when your defense holds a team to 14 points that normally scores, you know, upper 30s, you know, 40s, like, you should be able to win that football game. Oh, TCU's defense is legit. Yeah, I mean, that defense they're, is they're up legit. there. They're up there as one of the best defenses in the country. Number 14, NC State, scored 14 points. Number 9, Notre Dame, 35 points. We were so far off on this game. We're, I felt so good about it, too. We're giving Notre Dame very little credit all season. And a lot of that with me, you know that I, I use a lot of emotion in these things, and I just don't like Brian Kelly. It's, it's not a knock on his coaching ability. It has nothing to do with that. He's just an ass. He's got this team rolling. And I'll tell you this, I, I don't know that they're going to lose this year until the playoffs. I I didn't think at all. When I looked at the slate of teams that they were going to have to play, I thought there's no way they run this table. And then when they handled, had they barely beaten NC State and they gave them a fight, I was like, oh, no, you know. Then they still got Miami to go. Miami's going to fight them hard. Then they still got to play Stanford, you know. You know what I was surprised by? I think they're Ryan Finley roll. threw his first interception in like 300 and something passes. Yes. And NC State was number one in the country at not turning the football over, and Notre Dame was able to make them turn the football over. Now, they do play Wake Forest in Miami. Notre Dame does. Yep. And that's the second team in the least amount of turnovers in the country. So, it, it, a lot it, of that, I will tell you, a lot of NC State turning the ball over there is they haven't had to throw on anybody. They yeah. haven't had to make an all – they haven't been behind. Their defense has kept them so close in the games, they've never lost control to where they had to throw. And now, in this game, they they had to make throws. They they could tell that they were not going to be able to – Do what they always do. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, no, they got out early and didn't stop. No, they – I mean, it, it. look, it was 14-14 to 14 at one point. And then Notre Dame scored, and then – they created a turnover, and then they scored again. And they, I mean, there was just nothing you could do at that point. No. So they, they were in a, a lot of trouble. We both thought NC State was going to get this one. That's right. Uh, coming off a of bye week, Notre Dame had just beat up on USC. Uh, now NC State gets Clemson this week, and we'll, we'll see we'll see what they got. We'll see what's going on. Right? The, the last game was Georgia-Florida. Not a whole lot to say about this one. 42-7. to It was 21 to nothing, like five minutes into the game. <laughs> and, then, and then Jimmy Mack who uh, we, we talked to Denny about this earlier. Uh, Jimmy Mack was laughing as he was running off the field. I think he was so relieved that the game was over that he didn't have to coach in Gainesville anymore. Like, it, Did you see the the tweet that Jim's wife sent out last week? No. That had one of – so it was her family sitting down for dinner, right? 
Not a soul wearing any Florida stuff. They've got a Nebraska hat sitting on the table. One of their sons is wearing a backwards Nebraska hat. Like, they know what they're putting out there. Like, this was before the firing. This was before all that stuff. I don't think he ever really liked it in Gainesville. Like, and that's that's something I heard about Dan Mullen, too. I talked to somebody that's close to that whole situation. Dan Mullen's wife hates it in Gainesville. Hated Man, Gainesville. I don't, I don't like getting into the wife likes this. And well, you know what these wives like? They like money. They like the same thing the men like. They like money. I'll tell you this. I, I thought it, that was one of my hot takes was that Florida needs to hire Dan Mullen. Like, if they want to get back to winning, they want offense, they want a guy that can, de- like, he can develop quarterbacks, they need to hire Dan Mullen. They're not going to pay Dan Mullen. Well, yeah, we just talked to Denny about that, and 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 he made it clear that any of these guys that are that are looking to get paid aren't going to end up there. Yeah, and that that changes the landscape of what I think is going to happen at Florida. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Same here. I can't, I am very shocked by that. We talked about this that that they are going to go cheap. All right. So my three hot takes in my article for the week. I put Georgia should be number one in the playoff rankings. We already discussed that. I put Florida needs to hire Dan Mullen. And then my third one was that Notre Dame's 2016 is keeping them underrated in 2017. So we just kind of talked about Notre Dame a little bit. Let's talk about that just a touch. They went 4-8 and eight last year. They are beating really good teams to a pulp yep, this year. Yeah, beating them badly. Their only loss was a one-point loss to a Georgia team that's ranked number two that is killing undefeated everybody. and that is killing everybody. Is is this is their 2016 possibly going to keep them from getting into the college football playoff? Oh, no, no, no. If they went out, they're, yeah, well, if they, no. 2016 will have no bearing on it. I will tell you what will have a worse bearing on it. So, hold on. Say, say that Georgia goes 12-1. and one. Okay. Alabama goes undefeated. Okay. Oklahoma and Ohio State both have one loss. Oh, it's yeah, no, uh-uh. Notre Dame's getting in over them if Notre Dame has one loss. Who are they getting in over? Like what, Oklahoma's out. Oklahoma's out. Oklahoma's even out. even if they have two wins over doesn't Oklahoma matter. State or two yeah, wins over matter. TCU or no, whatever. The Big Twelve is just not sexy. It's just not sexy. This has got to be the this is one of my problems with college football. We've had this conversation for years. I hate, everyone says every game matters. Well, every game matters so damn much that if you lose one game, immediately Penn State loses the game. Oh, they're out of the playoffs now. Let's just move on from Penn State. No, Penn State's still one of the most exciting teams to watch in football. Sure, they might not make the play. They're still good. So now, because every game mattered up till that point and they lost, every game after that doesn't matter at all. This is the quietest bedlam game that I can remember in years. This well, is the, it's still got college game day going. It but, does, but there's been no, usually there is buzz going up to bedlam for weeks. You hear a lot of talking. You hear a lot of promo about it. Every, nobody is talking about these teams. They're just not. Everybody is still talking about, and not rightfully so. They're talking about the Ohio State Penn State game, and all they're talking about. The, I mean, literally everything on the radio about college football today is Penn State's out, right? Yep, Penn State's out. Unless they get unless they get help, Penn State's out. Yeah, but but here's the problem with that. I understand that if Ohio State doesn't lose again, 
Penn State's not going to make the playoffs. I get that, and I'm okay with well, it. That's not necessarily true because if Notre Dame loses again, like I, Penn State is next in line, right? No, so like, no, they, they need oh, no, they need a lot of help. They need the ACC to to they won't eat put, itself. They won't put two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams in. So they need Georgia to lose to Auburn and then to think, lose the you SEC title put, game. You don't think they'll put? They no Big way Ten. they would have. Four, in a four-conference, four-team playoff, have two conferences represented and nobody else. That will not happen. If everybody else has two losses. Does not. I do not care. Because the Pac-12. I do not care. Pac-12, everybody other than Washington now has two losses. I assure you, we might not be able to see this scenario play out because everything won't go that way. If it all went that way, I would bet every nickel I had on me, which is more than you would probably guess. And... I'm gonna. I, I would promise you, our college football playoffs would not consist of two conferences. There's no possible way they would allow that to happen. So, all right. So let's look at it this way. Say NC State beats Clemson this weekend. Okay. Notre Dame beats Miami. Okay. Notre Dame loses to Stanford. Okay. Washington loses to Washington State or Stanford or whoever. Um. You got two, all two lost teams in the back to all. Everybody's got two losses, and Georgia's got one loss. Penn State's got one loss. Ohio State's got one loss, and Alabama's undefeated. Notre Dame with two win, two losses gets in. Over who? Penn State or Georgia? I don't know. One of those two teams are going to get kicked out. They, Probably they Penn State. It would be Penn State because they wouldn't kick Georgia out if they're going to let Notre Dame in. Yeah, because you you because they beat. Them. Yeah, yeah, but that would that would I'm, I I I promise you a two loss team will get in over two conferences dominating this. This is about money. This is about revenue. We talked about this. I think they already have an idea of who they want in, and all they have to do now is just let it play out, and then make the arguments that they think justify it. That's it. They can argue both sides of the coin. Last year, they probably should have let Penn State in. Based on what happened, Penn State beat Ohio State straight up. Yes, they had the extra loss, but they beat Ohio State straight up. And then they won the Big Ten. And then they won the Big Ten championship. Yeah. That there was no, but they wanted Ohio State in, so they made the argument for Ohio State to get in. What you want, you can get. You just have to spin it however the hell you want to you spin gotta, it. All you got to do is find a way to justify it. Once you justify it, then you're all good. Yeah. Everything's And good. I don't even think they have to do that. They're the committee. They they just do what they want. And then they say, go kick rocks. This is this is the teams that we think are in. You didn't want us making the decision? Pick somebody else to be in the committee. Let's talk about this underdog win of the week. Okay. I like doing this now. I'm, I'm going to start doing this every week. Did this game surprise you at all? I, I, you would think it would be uh, Iowa State, right? Because they were seven point underdogs and and all this. I took Houston over South Florida. Houston scored at the end of the game with eleven seconds left to win at South Florida. That's what makes it so big. Is yeah. they did it on the road against a South Florida team that's kind of been kicking the shit out of people. Yeah, it's the first game that South Florida hasn't scored thirty points in in. What do they say? Like thirty-seven straight and, games, and that is not what we expect from Houston to play defense. No, it, not when not when Memphis went into their place and put forty-two on them in the second half. Everybody scored on them. Yeah, I think there's been one or two games. Where Tulsa put forty-five teams. on them. Yeah, low. SMU put some points on them. Uh, Houston beat SMU, but but even so still, South, but South so South Florida, they I mean 
they need a miracle to to get into the ACC champion AAC championship. No, it's a, they don't need a miracle. All they got to do is beat UCF because then they'll. I mean, they'll both have one loss in conference. Are, they're both on the it. same division. Yeah, they're. Yeah. I knew they're in the same division. All they got to do is beat UCF at the end of the year. But I mean, do you see that happening? The game's no. in Orlando. Like it, it's at no. Scott Frost's I house. I don't see Scott Frost losing at all. And I think whoever he has to play, and. Whoever gets stuck playing him in the New Year's Six Bowl, I think they're going to they're going to be in a lot of trouble. Unless, Unless Scott Frost takes a job between <laughs> them. No, you're right. Let me let me asterisk that. Unless he has a job, then then we're having a different conversation. But if he's going to be the guy at Central Florida next year too, yeah, he's he is beaten. Who at good luck, whoever gets left off the college football playoff, you don't want to be the short straw. All right, we'll talk about a couple more games and then wrap this thing up. Uh, let, let's go ahead and discuss, uh, I could say Memphis Tulane, just because they're local, but Memphis absolutely, they I mean, them. they beat the crap out of Tulane. Kill Holy them. God, 56-26 on that. Um, how do you feel about the Mississippi State-Texas A&M game? 35-14, Bulldogs win. So last week I questioned, is Mississippi State just one of these crazy home teams? And and I think I think they answered my question. No, yeah. no, I think we're pretty good wherever we play. They were up twenty eight to seven. Have you seen this gif that that's been jumping around online? No, where Dan Mullen was going to town on a referee, and he had three of his players like behind him pulling in him the back. picture. No, not pulling him back. They were all like dancing oh. in the back. They were just dancing, <laughs> hanging out, and he is just going in on this. Giving ref, him the business. Giving him the business. And these guys are in the back just doing like a little choreographed dance. Like <laughs> it, it looks like the Bulldogs are having some fun, man. That's look, Alabama goes to Starkville on November eleventh. You listen that's gonna be as, as much of a road as Alabama has paved for themselves. They got some tough games left. They, they got some tough games left. This is this is officially LSU Alabama week, which you shouldn't be worried. But it, it is still a rivalry game. Orgeron thinks that you know, this could lock him up for 10 years if he can win this game, which he he probably right on that. Um, Does LSU give him a, an extension if he wins this? Oh, I don't think there's any question. I think <laughs> I think if he, beats, if he beats Nick Saban, they give him – I don't know about an extension. They give him a hell of a raise. Because right now he's one of the lowest paid coaches in the SEC. Might be the lowest paid coach. No, in no, the, no. Oh, no. Not. Barry uh, Odom yeah, is. Like 2.4 right. or whatever. Yeah. But he's down there. It, he – I think he gets a, a pretty fat – just bonus. I maybe not a raise, maybe not an extension, but just here's a couple million dollars to say thank you for for that. But I don't listen. I think that money is safe in the bank. <laughs> like we'll we'll talk about that later on in the week. We'll we'll get to that. Uh, let's talk about where I think Dan Mullen will probably end up. Okay, Kentucky twenty nine, Tennessee twenty six. This game pissed me off. I lost on the damn hook because Kentucky, Kentucky continues to be stupid at the end of football games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, they were. Bob Stoops has cost me a lot of money this year. Well, Mark Stoops. Mark Stoops. I'm sorry. Yes. It, uh, it, Bob it's, it's ridiculous. Just look, used to pissing off him. Kentucky is 6-2. and two. South Carolina is 6-2. and two. Mm-hmm. Kentucky beat South Carolina. If South Carolina won that game, they're sitting at seven and one, man. If they don't, if they don't f up the Florida game, well, that's Kentucky. If Kentucky doesn't play, it, it, look, if Kentucky doesn't mess that one up, like they're sitting at seven and one. Yeah, because like they absolutely got steamrolled by Mississippi State last. That's week. it. No, no, yeah, that uh, was that game. 
but yeah, the the South Carolina thing. Who else did they lose to? They lost to Kentucky and uh, I don't even remember who it was. They beat Tennessee. I don't know. I should know because I followed South Carolina. They beat up on well. Arkansas. They'll get they'll get beat up this this week probably. Um, well, yeah, I mean they're playing Georgia this week, but uh, <laughs> this is not awful a, a radio. radio. I, I don't know. I don't know what it wasn't. I don't think it was a conference game. No, it was a conference game. Oh, uh, was remember. it A and M? No. Oh, it was A and M. Yeah, twenty four to seventeen at A and M. That's what it. That was. was it. I lost money on that game too. That's what it was. That was it. So, um, but either way, yeah, I think I think Dan Mullen Tennessee is is possible. If I'm Tennessee, I'm happy as hell with that hire. Yes, it's a, look. You got a proven winner in the SEC, a guy that develops quarterbacks. You get actual offense. Like I, I lo- let me tell you what I love. I love some of the guests that we have come on here. Okay, all, all of them really. But but I'm not kidding. These guys make me see the world differently. We left Josh Parcell last week, and I've I see Ed Orgeron and all those flaws begin to just soothe over a little bit and say, you know what? Let's if he still looks like this in year three, then we'll have a different conversation. But but right now. I have my mind has been changed enough to understand maybe this year's a growing pain kind of thing, which I I knew before the season, and now that we're in the season, you, you just don't feel the same. And now, how he's made me feel about Tennessee, like I keep thinking, man, they got to make a better hire, they got to make a big hire, they can't miss on this guy. You know what? Any anybody just about is going to be an improvement over Butch Jones. I don't know that they can mess this higher up. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right. I feel completely. I really think that Tennessee is going to be more exciting and more fun, no matter who they hire. How do you? What do you think about Bobby Petrino there? Like, do you think that that's Petrino's, something that, that Petrino scares me? So, I think I think he scares me as well. I just I, I I want him back in the SEC because the SEC is more fun when these. As much as I want LSU to win, I I also like to have a fun, strong conference. We have not had we dominated dominated the SEC for years. Man, we, we just we're not that anymore, and yeah. and we're not even fun to watch anymore. Be great, be terrible. I stole this from Colin Cowherd years ago. You have to be entertaining. Yeah, and this conference they're not entertaining. This conference is not fun. I, anything to make make football fun in the SEC again. Bring Petrino back. Bring Norvell to, to Arkansas. Let's get some offensive I'm, fun in this conference. I'm gonna have an article up uh, on Tuesday, but today um, that I'm I'm gonna I'm putting the coaches that are coming up that would be the best fit at at different places, right? So, like, okay. Norvell, I think, would be a good fit at Arkansas. Uh, I think, do you think he actually would be a good fit there, or do you think he just wants to be there? No, I think Norvell would be a good fit. I think they need to get back to offensive football, right? Yeah, you're probably like, right. And so, I, I think, in, and not to mention, I mean, he's from Arkansas. Well, but, like, yeah, but the, just because he likes he, it He's there, got recruiting ties in fit. Texas and Oklahoma and whatnot, so, like, that's, it, that's a good okay. spot for them. Okay. Um, the... I think Petrino fits really well at Auburn, and and do not rule this out. If Malzahn loses to A and M, he may end up losing to Georgia and Alabama. That's going to put him at seven and five on the year. His buyout ain't that much right now. They can't fire Malzahn. They can't fire Gus. 
If you know, listen, I, and I'm not, and I'm not screwing around here. If you know you've got Petrino, yeah, then I think you can. If you don't know that, and you, I then mean, no, you can't. Done, like, unless you've you, got the Petrino deal done, it. you do not fire but Miles off. That's it. That is it. That's your only option right there. Yeah, that's it. I agree. That's it. You know who? You know who I think is a good fit for Mississippi State? Who? Lane Kiffin. Oh man, you're my dude. If if Mullen goes to Tennessee. That is God. entirely who I would hire in Starkville. Oh my gosh, you're not kidding me. He's out of the limelight in Starkville. He can recruit players. He can bring his brother. <laughs> exactly. Like it's all good. It, depending on what the hell happens with that whole thing here in a couple of weeks. But uh but yeah, there's I mean, there's a lot of fun stuff that could end up going down depending on how these dominoes fall. And we're getting close. It's getting to be silly season. I'm in. I'm in. I'm excited to see where Scott Frost goes because I think he's I think he's special. You you you're not 100 percent sold. I'm not completely sold because I I saw what UCF was before that last season of O'Leary, and I think that he and the players had just completely bottomed out because I mean they went nine and four the year before they went zero oh and whatever. Like and then they won the Fiesta Bowl the year before that. So like they went twelve and one with the uh, with Blake Bortles or whatever twelve and one thirteen and one whatever the hell it was. So they went twelve and one, thirteen and one, and then went nine and four, and then went over. And then Scott Frost comes in with all that talent, all these guys that have won before, and took them to six and seven. And everybody's oh my gosh. And I hey, I was in on it too. I said, man, he took a team that went over the year before. Here's the problem. If he ends up in Nebraska, it I I don't know that you can recruit in Nebraska anymore. I don't think you have to be able to recruit nationally and I don't know that Frost has enough ties everywhere that's, to be able to do that. It. Although I will say this, he spent a lot of time at Oregon and he spent a lot of time at Florida. Uh, in Florida, not yeah. a lot, but 2 years, but he's already established recruiting grounds there. Can you there. get those kids to leave Oregon and Florida to, to come go to Nebraska? Nebraska? It's not what it used to be. No, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm we're gonna catch crap from Nebraska, but that's not what it used to be, man. No, it's not it's at all what not. it used to be. Um, and then no, you I get don't to know go into the can. Big Ten, where, yeah, congratulations. Here's Michigan. Here's Penn State. Here's Ohio State. Here's Wisconsin. I read a really interesting uh, article slash tweets whatever about the fact that Nebraska uh, is not good has to do with the North Dakota schools. Being so good? Well, not just being good, but like being able to offer scholarships and whatnot. Because yeah. in the 90s, 80s, 90s and whatnot, they were able to take preferred walk-ons. And it was these big hog molly, you know, the big, big dudes. And all those guys are getting scholarships and whatnot and going to, you know, North Dakota State, North Dakota, South Dakota State, all this. Like, all those guys used to go to Nebraska, and now they don't. And that's a big problem because everybody's kind of on the same playing field now. And once everybody got on the same playing field, like, it became tough for teams like, I mean, really, like Tennessee, like Nebraska, like all that. It it completely changed. Completely changed. So, all right, look, let's hop out of here. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday with Keith Easterwood. It's time for the rundown. Remember, check out winningcureseverything.com. You can give us a like on Facebook, facebook.com slash winningcureseverything. You can follow us on Twitter, at winningcures. You can follow myself, at Gary WCE. You can follow me at Chris B. Giannini, C-H-R-I-S-B-G-I-A-N-N-I-N-I. 
You can also email the show, that's winningcureseverything at gmail.com, and we now have a voicemail line. That number is 551-226-9899. If you want to call and bash us for talking bad about your favorite team, or praise us, or just tell us about how awesome your team is doing, leave us a voicemail. That number again is 551-226-9899, and we may toss it on the show. Thank you for supporting this show, and until next time... Have a good one, guys. Hey, don't forget, subscribe to the Winning Cures Everything podcast on iTunes and make sure you leave a review. For every 25 written five-star reviews we get on iTunes, we are donating to St. Jude's Children's Hospital and Le Bonheur's Children's Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. So subscribe and review on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and all your favorite podcast apps. Remember, the Winning Cures Everything podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.